All right, so I am 21 years old for this first story. This was a time for me that was during a little stint of homelessness, couch surfing, a very, very low point from about 20, 21, 22 years old. Uh, we're all Sacramento area. So this is, I'm living in Auburn at the time, north of Sacramento. And I was living in and out of someone's car, sleeping on the street. Anyways, I come across a couple people like you do out there. I think I met him at the disc golf course or something like that. And this guy happened to be a very cool guy, <clears throat> was helping me out during the situation. <clears throat> no direction, nothing going on. And, uh, you know, we were doing things uh, less than ideal, let's say, on the daily basis. And, um, we had come across another guy randomly doing the same kind of thing. Try not to be too specific, but there was one day, I think it was April, May, June. All I know is it was a beautiful day. And I remember that very specifically because <clears throat> we were going for a drive from Auburn to Sacramento. And actually I'll back up because one interesting thing that'll tie in is that morning was the first morning I woke up and put shoes on, like actual shoes. I remember having like a gray pair of Nikes, <clears throat> laced them up. Cause let's just say at this point, you know, I was wearing sandals and slippers everywhere I was. Cause it was nowhere, you know, didn't really care about anything. But for some reason that morning I put on my gray Nikes, laced them up, had a pair of shorts and a blue cutoff. I was like, yeah, I feel good. I feel good that I'm going to lace up some shoes you know, help these flat feet. And uh, so we get into this car and we're driving down to Sacramento for, let's just say a transaction. And I remember the whole drive down, I'm in the back seat of this car with these two guys up front and we're just chilling. I'm, I'm literally like a dog with its head out the window, just like, oh, it's beautiful today. Um, what's funny is I was, I was thinking that the whole drive down, like, it's so nice. I'm feel I feel so good. I probably felt good because I was, influenced by substances um so i felt really good <laughs> and, uh, just looking around like thinking it was amazing and in the very very back of my mind very back in my mind um uh, i wasn't allowing myself to say it but i was like there's probably a reason this is this is that 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 old like too good to be true feeling it's such a nice day things are going smooth just the bros in the car chilling and uh very back in my mind it was like this is maybe it's too good to be true anyways we get down to Sacramento <clears throat> and we're going into, we go into this apartment complex, you know, a big apartment complex. So it's gated. It's got the whole like fenced in area. Um, not a beautiful part of Sacramento because that doesn't really exist. And so we drive in and we park and I'm still, you know, I'm in the backseat of this like red, I don't know, Jetta or whatever it was. And as soon as we park, this big dude comes out of like this apartment walks up to the front of the car and he's kind of just, you know, for, for anyone that isn't like watching, just listening, kind of just waving his hands. He's saying like, yo, what's going on? What's taking so long? Like you guys cops or whatever. And I was sitting there like, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing here? I really didn't really have too much of an idea, but um, anyways, 30 seconds goes by. And the guy that we had just met who was driving, um, didn't really know him that well at all, who had set all this up. So red flag. Um, 
but he got out of the car and let's just say he had substantial amount of cash on him. <clears throat> he had $2,000 in his pocket and he walks in with this guy into the apartment and I'm sitting there in the back seat, just like jamming to some music, whatever. Again, just completely oblivious. And um, like no more than 20 seconds probably goes by and they both walk back out and the guy that went in with him that was driving is like, he comes to the front, the driver's side door opens it and he kind of starts looking through like the glove box and kind of all over the car, kind of frantic. And I was looking at him like, huh, you know, I don't know, what, I don't know, what's he doing? And all I remember very vividly is looking at him in his eyes and he had that like glazed over, like glazed eyes, like he, like you get when you're adrenaline rush or like terrified or like about to cry, you know? Yeah. And <clears throat> I was like, what's going on? Just being a total jackass. What's going on? I was like, just, just give it to me. Just, just give me the money. So I like take it, I put it in my right pocket, I get out, I'm like, I don't know what we're doing, man. Why are you guys being so crazy? So like I start walking towards this dude and uh don't even look back really. I'm just like walking up, I was like, hey, what's up, bro? You know, like just stupid as fuck. And this guy was like, What are you doing here? I was just like, I'm just long for the ride. I don't even know what we're doing. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know what's going on, but yeah, let's go. I don't know. And so I start walking with him and uh he looks at me and he says, oh, well, my name's Osiris, and I'm about to show you some gangster shit. And have you ever seen, like, Jennifer Lopez on Saturday Night Live with uh, Pete Davidson? I was just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm show you some gangster shit. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so I started walking. You know, there's, like, all those crazy paths from, like, from the parking lot to like every single door in an apartment complex. We're walking down like that path. It's not very far. It's not even out of sight from the car. Thank fucking God. And about halfway the path, I look back and I see them like doing the, you know, if you're not watching, like waving their hands, giving me like the, the no-go sign, like hand across the neck, like don't like whatever. And I was like, okay. And uh, so, again, I'm just like, okay, I don't know what could possibly happen. And um, keep walking. We're probably about, I'd say, 15 feet now from the door. And like, as we're walking, I look back again, thank God. And as I look back, they're both getting into the car doors and backing out of the parking spot and, like, skirting off. And I turn back around, and now he's reaching for the doorknob. And, like, I remember taking one more step with my left foot and just – I've never done a faster 180, and I sprinted away from the door and, like, followed the car. They were literally booking it down the road in the apartment complex. I'm, like – I've never ran so fast in my life. Probably ran 100 yards-ish, <clears throat> um, you know, down this apartment complex road. And got to the very end, I hopped over an eight foot cylinder block, you know, um, fence, whatever you want to call it, jumped over it. Like I probably didn't even touch it. I probably jumped straight over it. <laughs> like just so much adrenaline. It was like that crazy adrenaline. Like my heart was on fire, like total tunnel vision the whole time I was running. And, uh, so I jumped over it and it was like, this was like something out of a movie at this point. So I jumped over it and I was right into a four way intersection 
ran across the intersection into a laundromat because it was the first thing I saw. Sat next to an old lady. This is like some action movie shit. <laughs> and I sat down next to an old lady, like just panting. And I turned around looking and on both corners of the apartment complex on the outside, there were groups of dudes like looking around. So like they had legit set up this whole thing and they had people watching out. And so I'm sitting there, I'm getting on the phone, like, where the hell are you guys? What's going on? Like, blah, blah, blah. They're like, okay, we're going to pull up to the street, you know, next to where you're at. So I like carefully walk out the door and I stay like along the windows under the bushes and I kind of just wait like a minute and then they pulled up at the stoplight. I hopped in and we, you know, took off and as we're taking off, they see us and they start like waving guns and gang signs and shit behind us and we take off and then we get back on the freeway to head back and I was just like, that was probably the most, one of the most surreal feelings I'd ever had after, after he told me what was in the apartment. Uh, cause that guy went in and basically lied that he, he basically lied and said he didn't have it, the money on him. And he said he was in the car. That's why he came back looking for nothing because it was on him. But he said, when he went in there, <clears throat> the apartment was completely unfurnished. There was nothing in there. So there was not a single thing in there. And then when he walked in, they closed the door and dudes from every room came out with guns. And so like to this day, I'm like, had I walked in there? over nothing you know so like that comes back to me all the time just replay <clears throat> um but yeah that drive home after he told me that was like did that that was probably the only time i felt like i was actually dreaming and i wasn't um so yeah that was a pretty pretty crazy experience i mean talk about never wanting to do anything like that ever again and just being so oblivious and so like naive to the crazy stuff that can happen when you're in the wrong situation or the wrong, you know, going down the wrong alleys. <clears throat> um, so, yeah. So basically get into why I'm talking about this and why we're going to share stuff like this. But so welcome to the first head case podcast. <laughs> welcome everybody. Yeah. All right. So we'll break this down a little bit. Um, here with my two best friends, and we're gonna be sharing a lot of stories, and it's not all gonna be dreary. I just wanted to kind of capture people and then get into what we're gonna be all about, which is being completely transparent with who we are and not feeling like it's a weight or a taboo subject, um, knowing that you have a community around you and then finding ways to always improve and finding your, your niche um so when it comes down to it we want to build a community we want to build a brand we want to we want to encourage people to talk to us um but our brand animus which by definition well two definitions would be an ill will or feeling and the second definition being motivation to do something and for me, my entire life basically has those two intertwined, and it's the reason I am the way I am now. I do have ill will and feelings from a lot of experiences I've had and present day, but now I use those feelings as motivation to do something. And my motivation to do something is to help people, to build this community, to reach out and break down all the stigma um, you know, behind feeling like you need to withhold 
anything, not even just things like I just talked about, but anything. There's nothing that you need to withhold. And if you don't have people around you that will accept you for you, then make this simple. Find new people. Um, you know, if you like listen to this one day, um, use us. Um, I think it's a hope of ours. It's definitely a hope of ours that people will write in, will email us, will reach out, tell us your story. Um, that's going to be the whole community. You know, we want to, we want that to happen and for people to feel like they can tell us anything good and bad. This, like I said, this is not going to be dreary. Um, our sub brands like Headcase, this podcast, Headcase is literally owning that. Yeah, you're a bit of a fucking psycho and you love it. And now you're a good person because of it. And you strive every day to be a better person because of it. I mean, I harness all this stuff. Um, we're going to have, you know, straight jacket, I think is just a funny play on, I mean, I guess it's a, maybe it's not funny to everybody, but like straight jacket, you know, hoodies that we're going to have is like a kind of a funny play on uh, mental health. So what? Fuck it. <laughs> um, you know, red flag, things like that. These are all going to be sub brands of animus that they are just plays and there are like maybe dark comedic ways of accepting everything about yourself. So with that being said, um, I mean, if you guys want to like intro, that'd be cool. Or we just, you know, talk about whatever at this point, but. Yeah. I mean, um, like, I think it's, but I'm just, I'm Pierce, um, just friends of Joe and Colin. Um, I think everybody has stories or experiences that kind of, like, not just molded who you are, but the ones you don't tell anyone or the ones that um, people know and they just don't talk about. Um, I think everybody has those. And if you don't, like, if you find yourself just completely devoid of those things, maybe you should be more self-centric in a way and really, really think about what you've missed because I think it's impossible to go through this life without having some sort of an experience like that. But the branding aspect is more of like, like Joe said, it was a, a kind of a play on dark humor. And I think dark humor is really just people's lack of ability to accept that things are normal, constantly needing a name to normalize things. So like, like, yeah, I have fucking red flag characteristics or what people would call red flag characteristics or you know maybe you have like an abrasive personality or whatever like that stuff comes from something and it's okay that you are that way something has made you that way and it may not be okay to stay that way like it's not a good idea to stay that way but if if it gets you through your life in the best way possible without hurting yourself or without hurting other people and that's just the way you are like it that's how you interact like that could be okay as long as you know how to deal with it and tone it down to where it's not, you know, abrasive to someone else. It's just a, a personality trait, but it, owning that and saying like, yes, I do represent that normalizes it and it stops becoming dark humor and it starts becoming, you know, like a signifier of like hope, I guess. But yeah. Growth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I believe that uh, just about everybody, I mean, everybody that I've come in contact with always has that the one story or at least one story that nobody else knows, right? Something that they're not proud of sharing or that they think is not okay. Like they don't, they're not close enough to somebody to share. Oh, 
whether it be an experience you went through or something happened to you or whatever the case may be. And I mean, that's, that's really our goal here is to normalize it, right? Come out, share your story, um, email us, write in, whatever the case may be. Um, but it is just to normalize it and own it. It's okay. You know? Yeah. I think even, <laughs> even beyond that, like, I wouldn't even say we're trying to normalize it or make it okay because a lot of the shit's not okay. Like most of the stuff that happens to people is not okay. But that in and of itself is okay. It's something that you have to fucking live with and realize that it's a part of the world. And kind of something we're going to get more into is that you kind of need to find something. If you're not such a good communicator or if you're not such a good uh, or you're not very well-equipped for like interpersonal communication you need to find something to get those feelings out like for me it's you know working on machines or building stuff or making things like taking something really shitty and turning it into something that's perfect or close as close as you can get to perfect um i get my time to reconcile those thoughts and kind of like replay the situation maybe even not even uh it's kind of a subliminal thing it's it's kind of going on in the background and it's just like hard labor or um, reconstruction of something really just puts something physical in front of me that at the end of the day, like I take something really shitty and finish it. And if I can't, you know, I have these things in my life that just end up fucked up and I can't finish them. There's just no way to make it. It's always going to be tarnished. I can take something else and unfuck it and have something at the end of the day that I can, you know, fall asleep with being like okay well everything else might be fucked but i have this one thing that's perfect mm -hmm. that i did that i yeah. made perfect i wasn't able to fix this other thing but i've reconciled that with myself by you know showing having something physical that someone can see that like yeah his life might be screwed up in a lot of ways but he's got this thing that he's good at and maybe it's not about like how good you are at something it's that you have this ability to reconcile with yourself physically or mentally all of these bad things or maybe not so bad just strange oddities that you have to deal with because life is infinitely complex it's infinitely weird and it's not soluble it's not you can't you can't break it down into easily digestible pieces and you know computize it put a name on everything and and then be be good with it you know like it doesn't life doesn't fit in a dictionary it doesn't it's not something you can sit down and read. It's something you have to experience and you can't, you can't rectify or calculate what happens in a day. It's something you have to like mull over and yeah. deal with. We need to keep seeking, you know, resources. That's like what I'm doing right now. Um, you know, if you ever stop seeking knowledge, um, you're going to keep living in the same whirlwind. But with you were talking about, your Jeep or tinkering. And for us, it's, you know, let's, for us, it's like physical exertion, but you know, these are things I'm learning is like for you or for anybody, like people seem to think that, you know, the only way to meditate is to sit down and close my eyes and complete, you know, silence and see my thoughts and your Jeep, your things that I would say, or our things that we need to feel like we can control. Cause like what you're basically saying, and I agree is like, most things you can't control. I'm literally, you know, one of the biggest things I'm learning right now is like living life on life's terms and how hard that is. But 
on the side, you need to find something that you can control because you will feel like you have control of something and that helps you with everything else. So that is a form of meditation. Um, it doesn't have to be sitting cross-legged in a dark room. You know, um, one thing I've identified for myself is that I deal with it in a comedic sense and intensity, you know? So for me, we talked about this the other night, the three of us, but um, it doesn't have to just be trauma. You know, not every, I mean, some people have experienced trauma. Some people haven't, that's fine. But even day-to-day -day stress, um, but I would say more specifically, traumatic things are literally stored in your cells, you know, like in your body, in your cells, not just, it's not just something like in your brain, it's actually physically in you. And so finding that thing to exert that energy is, you know, not going to get rid of it permanently. That's why you should always seek more help and more knowledge and more wisdom because there are things to help that, but you got to have your thing. And I think one thing we got to, you know, we all want to make clear is like, yes, a couple of us are meatheads because the physical exertion is the only thing, the physical intensity is the only thing powerful enough for the kind of stuff that we're working on. If it were a little bit less, maybe the activity would be a little bit less. Uh, but it could be, I don't care what it is, you know, I mean, you were doing jujitsu, you're tinkering, we're in the gym, you could be running, walking, I don't care what it is, reading a book, you know, um, just find your thing, like, yeah. I don't care what it is. Um, so I think that's a really important thing that, um, you know, everyone needs, whether, yeah, whether you've been through stuff or not, you know, like, that's the thing too, is if, we talked about this the other night. It's like, if someone ever listens to this and they're like, oh my God, I can't relate with any of this stuff. It's insane. You know, like I, like I said the other night, good next yeah. channel. I'm glad that you have, I'm glad you're good. <laughs> you know, like I'm glad you've never, I would go so far as to say lived, but that's, you know, that sounds kind of cynical. Um, but I think, it, I think of it like, you know, that's, that's one less person, you know, that's somebody that's, that's something to strive to. There's, there is an attainable peace i think and that's yeah, a, absolutely it's a monument yeah. to that, you know so it's not like this isn't tailored to you this is and it's it also it's also going to help you you know formulate those interpersonal skills with these people that are fucked up like fundamentally fucked up and you're going to be you're going to you know not walk past them on the street and be like oh jesus you're going to be able to be like hey that guy's going through some shit i would guarantee you like you know the dude walks into the gas station with grease all over his pants you know and his shirt's got burn holes and stuff in it you know maybe he's not homeless maybe he likes to weld or yeah. his car is beat to shit and his family yeah. can't get to work so he likes to fix it because it brings him the satisfaction of being able to provide for his family like maybe he can't monetarily provide but he can make sure that they can get where they need to go you know so yeah. taking a step back and be like that guy's doing some good shit whether you know it or not thinking positively of people around you not all the time because i think that's dangerous too but being yeah, able it'd be to a fault. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it could be definitely to a fault. Yeah, for sure. Being I think, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Just a ramble. Um, I think all three of us, I don't know for sure, but like you're talking about like compassion for the people and like this definitely, even for other people listening and like, you know, starting to like a, take part in this, I guess one day. Yeah. It definitely, like you're saying, would help you identify or, you know, be more compassionate. I think that's where a lot of people get turned off about like me specifically. I know Colin for sure is like, we, we mask that compassion with pretty, pretty callous humor. <laughs> humor. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, we could like, I could look at somebody 
and be, uh, you know, kind of brutally sarcastic and humorous to myself. But deep down, like I, I do know because I've been, I've been there, yeah. you know? So like, I think my, you know, I'm not going to say defense mechanism. Cause that just sounds so like, yo, it's not funny. <laughs> so like, so yeah, I use comedy for myself, but I also know that I have extreme amount of compassion. And I, I mean, I even get like, you know, like the sympathy pain type stuff. I mean, when I see yeah. certain things, I just, when I see certain things, man, I get physically, I mean, it physically hurts, you yeah. know? Um, and I think that's why I have to use comedy. You want to talk about like strange compassions. Like when I watch a movie and there's like a kid with glasses, I'm like, oh, he's not perfect. <laughs> what can I do for this child? It's just a movie, Pierce. Calm down. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I think there's a lot. I, th I think it's very rudimentary to assume that, um, first of all, anything that we say is going to make anything better for anyone. It's just, you know, the hope that someone will hear it and then start becoming conscious of the idea that uh, there are other people who seem like they have their, their life together who are, in fact, complete disasters, but functional disasters. Like, they're working their way through it. You know, like, mm -hmm. uh, the elimination of the idea that you're alone, yes, that's important. But realistically, you know, a couple of guys talking on a podcast is not going to directly impact somebody's life in such a way. There'll always be that one guy who will preach at a college someday at a graduation ceremony about these two, two or three guys he saw on a podcast and it changed his life. And, you know, he modeled his life after someone else, but 99% of everyone is never going to have that experience. It's going to be, you know, maybe a 10 minute uplift for them. And then immediately back to the, the smack in the face that life is. Yeah. But ho hopefully some of the concepts that we talk about and some of the stories that hopefully get told or, um, you know, just day-to-day -day life that we talk about will be kind of a break from that and then, you know, provide some sort of a safe harbor for people to reside in. You know, like I like to listen to um, either podcasts or like, you know, literally just people working on cars. Just a video of a guy working on a car when I'm driving because it's that time that I get or music, you know, I have music's a huge part of my life too. Um, it just gives me that total universe that place to take my brain for a walk to like remove it from my head and put it in a yeah. different space and hopefully this can be something like that for everyone else you know like these three crazy assholes on my computer talking about their difficult stuff they go through and how it makes me feel better that they're not alone you know what i've noticed very recently about um podcasts or music or whatever um, you know, at, at first I thought the same thing, like it was a, uh, it was a time killer, you know, I mean, I was commuting, it was a time killer. I was learning a lot, you know, I think you learn a lot, but then recently I've kind of discovered for myself that you come across these podcasts, these things that you want to listen to on purpose. And then they like, you don't keep listening to it because it's the only thing on God knows it's not the only one on. Yeah. Right. So you come across ones that you like and you keep listening to it. And I've come to realize that it's because it's company. Like it's not yeah. just time for my mind to wander, but it's actual company. It's actual people talking. 
yeah. you, you're, you're still listening to them and not anyone else because you relate to them. So it's like, it's like a fucking dating app for free, like a, not a dating app, but it's like a, it's like a friend app yeah. for free. And it's like, you're like, yeah, I really connect with these people. Yeah. I like what they talk about. We could yeah. be like, if we were, if I met this person, man, we would be, we'd be besties. You know, yeah. like, I think I realized that recently was like, that's why you spend so much time on there is because I think it's easier to just look up and see that you connect with something or someone or some information. And you're like, I'm going to keep listening to this because these you are know, real think, people. You know, but I think it is because I've, I've had that thought too. Um, also just a kind of an epiphany that I've, you know, as you say it, realizing it, but you, you can ask my wife if you ever get a chance to talk to her about it, but uh, I fail epically on a daily basis at communicating effectively with everyone, mostly because mm -hmm. I fucking hate people. I hate <laughs> people on a fundamental level because I, I, I mean, it's just like an innate thing. I'd just rather be alone because it's taxing. I find it physically taxing to interact with people. And I'm not like a recluse or anything. Like, you mean, you, I mean, you've worked with me. I'm not at all afraid to like get up in front of a group of people and tell them intricate information on a daily basis and be good at it. Yeah. Uh, also communicate interpersonally in a fun way. That's, you know, I'm good at that, but I would much rather do my own thing in my own space because I feel like it's, like I said, it's taxing to have to, you, cause you know, like when somebody sits down in the room, I think it's, it comes from a place of passion because I feel like their, I hate this word, but their energy in the room, you know, you, you somewhat like part off a piece of your compassion for them and now they're like a responsibility of yours, even though they're just sitting in the room. And when I listen to people on like a podcast or on a, on a channel, you're passively gaining company from somebody like you're not responsible for them. It's like these group of people yeah. who are talking specifically about what you want to hear them talk about. And they're like in the room, you're hanging out with Joe Rogan or whoever, you know, and they're talking about really interesting stuff. And if you want it to stop, you just click pause just goes away you know like, that is yeah you, you get really point. really tired of these people in your car with you you just turn them off and then you're alone again and it's yeah there's there's no responsibility of being like well i would really like to go do my thing and they're not leaving until 10 30 so shit <laughs> yeah that's a good point because i constantly am like when is this is there a climax to the story you're telling is this, yeah is there a thesis like can you get to the point please yeah, I think it comes um, from a selfish place, you know, like I'm, I guess I'm super selfish in that aspect because I, I wouldn't say you're selfish. I think it's easy for me, at least I would say that it's pretty easy to say that people probably just don't stimulate you um, the way you want to be stimulated. Um, I, mean, I mean, you know, knowing you for as long as I've known you, I would just say that people don't stimulate you very often. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's another, that other point that we were going to get to is, uh, I do firmly believe that there are, you know, different, uh, that's a dangerous way to say it, but I think there are different, um, people are on different wavelengths. And I also, that's also a phrase that bugs me, but um, this is, I don't feel like it's descriptive enough, but I think that people think on different levels. Uh, not to say that people think on like, um, you know, more deficient levels or anything like that, but people just think about different stuff as the day goes on. Like I find myself constantly being contemplative of what is going on around me and what my brain is doing about it. Thinking 30 minutes down the road and then you walk past somebody who's like barely able to load their groceries in their car and you just know 
that that person is only thinking about this is the milk. This is the, these are the eggs. Oh, there's the bacon. <laughs> you know, and like as I'm loading my groceries, I'm like, fuck, I have 13 minutes to get home. And if I get home in 13 minutes, it'll be seven o'clock. And if I get home at seven o'clock, then I'll have two hours of work in my Jeep before my wife goes to sleep so that she won't be upset that I don't get to hang out with her for the day because I just dealt with all this bullshit at work. And all I want to do is work on my Jeep or get in the garage or, you know, read a book or listen to a podcast or whatever. And I just don't think people think on that level. Some of them. Why do you, think, think, they, why do you think they say ignorance is bliss? Yeah. And I, why do you think we're so fucked up? Because <laughs> we can't stop turning <laughs> our wheels, man. Yeah. I'm telling you, that's I, I know that about myself, bro. Like, it's uh, that literally comes down to why I drink in the first place. Um, like, before I got in, you know, with like weed, I remember literally telling my mom because she asked me one time. She wasn't even like saying it in a, um, you know, like in a, like she wasn't like putting me down or anything. She was like legitimately curious. She was like, why do you, you know, why do you like it? Uh, because I would just love to be stupid for like two hours, you know, and it's the same thing like with alcohol. Um, like I would really just love to stop and I can't, you know, like I just want to stop. But so like, Colin, I was curious about, um, back just talking about like harnessing and channeling, you know, everything. Cause you and I are pretty much pretty similar with day to day and how we handle things. Um, the communication is probably for both of us, like the biggest thing that biggest hurdle to work on, which probably both getting a lot better at, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, communication's definitely been a, a big issue. And uh, well, I actually just dive right on into it. That's why I'm currently getting separated from my wife right now is a big thing was communication. It all boiled down to communication all the way back from the beginning of our relationship. Um, but yeah, I mean, th thanks to you and a couple other people that just pointed me down the right road and helping me with being able to communicate in this podcast, really being able to get out there, put myself out there and uh, share my stories and hopefully get even, keep getting better at communicating. I think one thing like I've uh, worked on the last year a lot is besides just brutal honesty, because that's always just been a real tough one um, is the timing of it. So like even in the class I'm in right now, um, because I'm in treatment for uh, alcohol abuse. And like, even right now, they're talking about certain thoughts, things like that, you know, put it off to the side and come back to it when you're ready. It's like, that does not work for me because I will just, it'll stay to the side forever. And so that, that one technique for me does not work and is so toxic for me. So one thing that I've really gotten better at over the last year is, in the moment right now, I don't care what's going on. I'm going to say what I got to say. You're not going to like it, <laughs> yeah. but God, am I going to feel better? Yeah. Like it's life changing, man. Like, I mean, I, I know for a fact, my community, you know, my, my ineptitude for communicating came from the way I was raised. Um, like probably a lot of anyone who's 25 to 40 years old right now, you know, I mean, we're all pretty similar. Um, generation wise, parent wise. I mean, everyone changes, but like, I don't know, man, my communication has never been very good, mostly because it's, uh, it's too vulnerable. Um, 
so I've gotten a lot better at that. And yeah, it's been a, it's been a life changer for me. Like I just don't care anymore. And it's a beautiful thing to not care because at the end of the day, it's like what we're talking about. I got you two and I got the people who I can't tell anyone anything and they're, they're going to stay there. Yeah. You know, like that's, and actually, you know, not to like get too vague, but if we're talking about, you know, friend pools and I mean, God, we can, God, we could really get into like newer generations with social media and, you know, the, the toxicity of like needing likes and thinking you have friends, but you don't, um, you know, my friend pool is, my friend pool is less than a handful by far. Um, and I was just talking about this the other day too, was we were talking about, we're talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which I've never really looked too far into, but it was very interesting for me because if you look at the, the pyramid for Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's what every human being needs to become a self-actualized, which is reaching your peak as a human being, as yourself, you know, finding your full potential basically, right? And one thing in there was, um, well, back up. And I'll just say that when I read them in treatment, I was, they went around asking, you know, how, how many of you uh, have a couple of these or how many of you need, like, which one do you need? And it was the first time in my life that I saw every subject. I think there was seven, I want to say all together. Uh, it was the first time in my life I like, was I have all these right now. Which was crazy. And she was kind of like, really? Do you? I was like, yeah, bitch. I have all these things in my life right now. And that's actually like, I felt great to say that because, and then one thing I brought up was like, you know, intimacy. Intimacy is a deep word, but what's unfortunate, and then I, I, I'm the one that brought it up, right? Not the counselor. Everyone was talking about when you think of intimacy, what do you think about? Fucking. Okay. Like you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, fucking, right? Sex, sex, anything sexual, right? Um, significant other, right? And I was the only one who pointed out like, hey, like I'm more intimate with my guy friends than I am almost anybody in my life. Oh, you know, yeah. like, yeah, right? Hey, uh, <laughs> what, babe? <laughs> no, oh, I mean, because that's, that's like, that's yeah, because that's the, that's the truth though. And I was like, that's that's what people need to understand is like intimacy is a basic human need but it has nothing to do with sexual anything like the intimate conversation i don't have with almost anyone else yeah. unless i'm forced to you know because that's that's more intimate than fucking i mean we're dudes right i mean yeah. sex is well sorry ladies sex is not um a, a binding permanent contract <laughs> <laughs> but intimacy on the level that we're talking about and sharing every single detail of who you are good and bad that's much more intimate yeah i mean it's uh com not completely unrelated but i made those uh t-shirts because i got bored and i was like i want a t-shirt that looks like what i'm picturing in my head but the the logo that i put on them was for the boys and yeah yeah the re i mean like I wouldn't say it's the reason because I think that's uh, oddly self-serving right now, but um, Plug. what I was thinking was, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, like in the fact that like it's convenient that I made a shirt a long time ago that, you know, just happens to fit puzzle piece right into what we're talking about. But yeah, um, I love that shirt, by the way, not to cut you off, but I love that shirt. And if you want to put it on the website, 
I will take a cut. (laughs) (laughs) My checks, you know, but, um, the, the thought behind it was like, I, uh, I'm agreeing with what you're saying is I, I feel like when I talk to like my guy friends or whatever, um, and I don't have any really that I can think of really any female friends that are, I consider friends. Um, actually, yeah, I don't think I have any other than my wife, but, um, good, good save. Good save. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Other than you, I love you. Yeah, the thought was it was to be you know unforgivingly uh, like intentional about what I was saying. It was like exactly what you what you just said was. I feel like there's no reason to be upset about the fact that you communicate better with your guy friends because there's not like this expectation of if I fuck this up. Like there's an innate thing. I firmly believe there's an innate thing. Like your caveman genes coming through. Like if I fuck this up. She won't fuck me. And like, you're not even, you don't even want it. Like you're not interested in this person at all, but like on some level you want to know that you could, you know? So like, (laughs) (laughs) you don't want to insult your own manhood by your own negligence. So when you're around your dude friends, you don't give a fuck about that. You're just like, Hey man. So I farted like two weeks ago and some blood came out. You guys know anything about that? (laughs) Like, You don't care because if they don't like it, then they're just going to not talk to you for three days and be like, you want to go fishing? Yeah. Like, that thing I said two weeks ago, you guys aren't still worried about it, right? And they're like, what? Anyway. Dude, how many how many tiffs do you remember getting in on this? Sh- I mean, you, okay, dude, we're talking about five years of close contact with a bunch of testosterone-ridden males. I can't tell you, like, how many, not even big deals, small, petty <laughs> tiffs. Like, it was never, I actually never really gotten anything huge with anybody, but the small tiffs that I've gotten in with some of the guys that like if it were anyone else would be like just such a big deal but no what do we do we walk away we go back to work the next day love you bro sorry yeah we walk like 13 feet away to our shop <laughs> yeah <laughs> that bastard <laughs> close the door <laughs> 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 how dare you say that in the middle of the ocean, water like, losing our minds <laughs> i wouldn't even say a full day full day it was after lunch yeah yeah Nothing. Sorry. I'm calm now. I'm ready. We didn't have any Snickers. Sorry. Yeah, do you like women? Like, yo, bro, women, you gotta like wait till after sex. You're like, "Ah, you overcooked the roast. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't done the dishes in three weeks. I'm really worried about that. Yeah. 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 That That was great. You know, I think that also like I think that's why it's dangerous to hang out with your guy friends so much is because you get into these habits with your guy friends that uh, are not the most productive because you're so, (laughs) you're so unworried about what they think of you and then what you guys are doing together because it's, it's, it's really pure, I think, because, you know, like when I got on the ship, um, when I first got there, I like didn't smoke or anything like that. And I was like really against it. And then, you know, the people that I liked being around on the ship smoked. And then there was a lot of information passed around on the smoke decks that was beneficial to be out there. But it was like, you know, another way to, it was the only time you did that. You went to one place to do that one thing and then your buddies are there. And when there's just some magic at the smoke deck, you know, like people want to talk about shit when they're out there. So if you had a problem, you're like, all right, let's go, let's go out there. We'll go talk about it. We'll be done with it. We'll leave it there. You know, like put it in the ashtray and it's over with. And then you yeah. move on. And like, you know, I think that obviously not a good idea because smoking is pretty fucking terrible for you. But uh, 
the the place itself was beneficial and then you got something really really positive out of it so it was like a a weird monetary exchange of like here's my lungs give me the benefits <laughs> yeah there's a lot of value there's a lot of value in those things nobody yeah. proves that point more than the military actually because yeah, the yeah. military if you get deployed and you come back they literally send you to a workshop to go back to civilian life to how to deal with your spouse how to deal with people yeah because yeah. it's such a different environment you get into those bad habits of smoking to the communication everything and they they literally have workshops so that way yeah. you can be a human again and you get reintegrated <laughs> yeah like an I think the civilian I think the civilian is the one that need the workshop but <laughs> I remember like uh, where you're talking about communication with like just being so blunt is I've definitely taken that home. Like you're like you were oh, talking about, and dude, like it's just funny because, you know, first few days back in your home and they say something like, I need you to do this. Fuck you. Oh, <laughs> oh fuck. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, like, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, when you're on the boat and like you really need something done, people know your tonality and they're like, you know, you're like, hey, can you go do this? But if you're like, get this fucking done right now. They're like, oh, shit. Okay. And you're like conveying your need for action over how badly you need the dishes done. You know, it doesn't go over so well, but like on the ship, you know, or uh, in regular life with the people that work there, those communications, just the level of intensity that you provide just conveys the urgency of what you're talking about. It's not like you know, I'm cussing because I don't like you or I'm, I'm yeah. loud because you did something wrong. It's I need you to do something. And this is how important it is. Yeah, it's like the the communication, like in order to get our point across in our line of work, you have to be vulgar almost <laughs> in order to get, yeah. get your point across or to express how urgent something is really. And it's, crazy. it's not oh, really sorry, acceptable. No, 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 it's not really acceptable. And the home environment really but you know i think yeah. that's fucked up because uh if people's i mean don't get me wrong military is an extremely it's an, a rewarding place uh but it's also tough but i think if, i think if uh people and i hate saying average people because we're definitely not better in any way just because we're in, in the military but um if our civilian counterparts took the time to investigate how effective we can be just by communicating in a different tone of voice. You know, people jump up and do stuff like right now, an entire ship mobilizes just because somebody yells at them. That's some crazy stuff. Like the regular world doesn't work that way. Somebody yells at somebody in an office and everybody leaves or that one person gets up and walks to the bathroom and cries, but the rest of the office pretends like they didn't even notice, you know, like that's, that's a crazy. Problem. It's crazy to think that, like, in our line of work, like, afflection actually has a purpose. Yeah. Whereas, like, afflection everywhere else in the world right now is just demeaning, demoralizing, hurtful. Yeah. You're going to get canceled. Like, I mean, literally, <laughs> afflection actually has a purpose, and it's not you being an asshole. Yeah. And that's where I think, I, yeah, this is a really good point, I think, for me to be talking about out loud because I – shit, man, this is like therapy that I haven't even been thinking about until we just talked about it. But I, I am definitely a, I'm definitely someone that partakes in afflection in the home thinking it's going to work. 
and it does not work. Um, and it's so hard. It's so hard for someone. I say it's so hard, but I mean, you know, how long have I really worked on it? I don't, I don't know the answer, but like, well, see, think about it from the antithesis of what you just said. Like, think about how hard you worked on using it. Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. big deal with your marriage right now, or, you know, right now and before right now was your communication. Same with me. I mean, I think we've all been on the rocks at some point, um, you know, for better, for worse, but, uh, dude, every day, every single day for at least the past three, four years, at least once a day, there's a problem with the way I say things. And mm -hmm. I think that it's not like there's a problem with it. You know, like I don't agree with it. I completely agree. There's a problem with the way that I say things. I mean, it could be something completely innocent. Like they'll get me a diaper that comes across to somebody who's not used to that being, Hey, there's, there's poop about to leak out of this diaper. Go get me one, please. Right now. Versus just go get me a diaper to somebody who is in our line of work. It's like, I need to go do that right now. There's a reason. I don't know what it is, but I need to do that right now. And Phil explain afterwards or she, yeah. um, I wouldn't say it's okay for us to communicate that way, but I think it would be beneficial if humanity as a whole got on board with the idea that like, you don't have to explain everything for it to be important. You don't have to bridge a gap in knowledge for there to be effective communication. Like I don't have to explain to you why I need something or why I'm telling you something or why something is happening with more words, you know, like an English teacher I had explained to us, like he used to get onto us for writing too many words in our papers. You know, you'd like ask for a 1500 yeah. research paper every day. And then whenever he would grade them, you know, that sounds like a lot to somebody who hasn't written a lot of those. But once you write a lot of them, it's not a lot, but he would get onto us for writing too many words in our sentences. And he's like, you don't have to communicate this way. You can communicate the same thought with five words. You're writing 25 right here. There's no reason. Fluffed, fluff yeah, well, wording and not even that you just think you're like turning it into an english teacher so you think the more big words you can put in there the better it's going to look the more eloquent you can speak and i think that right there is the genesis of the world's problem everybody wants to impress everyone everyone thinks that they have the both, both they have the capacity to and that they have the need for being better than everyone all the time so they're constantly they constantly want to tell you what they learn and not in a good way in a way to make themselves look highlighted or elevated, but they constantly want to tell you in a long, drawn-out story. And anytime they want to ask you to do anything, they've got to put all the big trigger words in there. They've got to say sorry. They've got to say they've got to make sure that you know how big of a hassle this is for you, and that they understand <laughs> you, and that they know that it's going to take you a long time to go get this thing for them or to, you know, to communicate back to them. But I think that's completely unnecessary, and it's taxing. That's part of the taxing interpersonal relationship that I don't admire. There's so I, many hoops, so many hoops yeah. now just to communicate anything to somebody. But all right, real quick, like to, I want to backtrack to what you were talking about with military communication. And I only want to because it might be a good point to like stick with because we, we might know a couple military people, right? That we're going to put on to everything, yeah. maybe a couple. And that might be a really good point. I mean, for one, for them. And then if anybody has a spouse that like comes across this and is wondering why the hell their communication sucks, we, this is a great time to say like, uh, I never really communicated the right way. Um, why we do those things that we were just talking about as far as the abrasiveness and the directive, like the directness. And, um, like you were saying, 
it's not just that we do it like for if you just say that's how we talk at work that's not really a good yeah. enough explanation and that's usually what we just that's that's what i would always just say you know and that's not now that we're talking about it just saying that's how we talk at work sorry and you're gonna do it again in 20 seconds like you're about to do it again but when you say you know what if i look at getting into the military let's say from the time you got in you are raised like you're not just you're not just like groomed you are like raised from the time you get in and that's how you are spoken to every single day for nine hours a day. And, but here's the thing is you don't take it. Maybe you do take it the wrong way sometimes, but then you learn like, okay, this is how we talk. And then you're literally being raised. And then you get into positions where you do it as well. And we have good communication skills where it's like, if we know that we overstepped, if we know that we crossed the line, you're going to take that person to the side, which other, which again, civilians don't have this quality. You're going to take them behind closed doors and explain yourself because you don't want to lose credibility. You don't want to lose respect, you know, so take them behind closed doors or, you know, so being able to, if any like spouse or military person comes across this and they're like having trouble with communication, you need to really dive into like, it's a lot more than just, this is how we talk in the shop. Like this is how we <laughs> talk in the squad. Like, no, they need to understand that like, you literally have two languages. There yeah. are you. You are literally batting, battling two different languages. And let's say one, obviously, you care about the person at home, obviously. But two, the, the, or your primary one, because that's just you're at work longer than you're at home, right? One hundred percent. Your primary one determines your success. Determines if you're going to pay the bills. It determines everything about your career. You know, and it's not. We're not saying. You have to communicate like an asshole because you're going to be successful. That's not the point. It's just different communication. We yeah. don't consider it to be rude and mean. We just, that is majority of our life. So for someone to say, it's not that hard to come home and just treat me better. It's like, it is. Yeah. Well, like, it, you know, I don't mean to cut you off, but um, hope we get into in the future. And we've talked about it before is um, I went through a training program in the military that I didn't succeed at and I, for a multitude of reasons. Um, but I went to the nuclear power training pipeline because I was slated to be a nuclear machinist mate. And I mean, the ultimate downfall of that, both academically and personally, was you do not have spare seconds. Like, I mean, right now you could think of, you could oh, probably yeah. come up with a couple hours of your day where you were doing nothing. But I was sitting at my house on the floor of my living room um, in Charleston when I was at school, like trying to come up with five minutes of my day that belonged to me, and I couldn't. I mean, it was nine, I would say 99% military, 100%. And it's not just regular old, like sweeping the floors, wearing a uniform or anything like that. It's the most complex mathematical, physical conceptual machinery and uh physics that was just mind-boggling you know like i they used to explain it to us like we're going to shoot a fire hose of information at you and give you a dasani water bottle to catch it all in and if you miss any you're out and then when you think about that reductively like you're not just getting out of the nuclear power program i was married at the time and or i am married but i was i had been married right there um so i had an apartment out in town i had vehicles I had two dogs, 
I had, you know, all the furnishings in our house and everything. And when I joined the military, I had, I mean, I'd been all over the, the place. I've been all over the country. I've been out of the country and stuff like that. So I wasn't used to leaving home or I wasn't not used to leaving home or anything, but uh, I didn't want to go too far from my family so that I couldn't afford to get back to see them. And um, so we were close enough to drive to come home. So the big fear was that if I, if I lost, if I got out of this program that I knew I was going to get shipped somewhere else, I was not going to stay in Charleston. There's no, there's no waterfront there. There's no ships there. It's just that school. And it's not even yeah. a Navy base. It's a joint base. So there's no chance I'd get a staff job anywhere or anything like that. It's not how it works. So you have the fact that if I fail out of here, I'm going to lose my house. My wife may not be happy about it. I am going to move, certainly move further away from my family, possibly, and ended up being that I was financially out of reach of my family. And then, you know, where are we going to live? I'm going to completely change our lifestyle. All these things and you're learning nuclear physics at the same time and failing at that. But like, there's a lot to think about. So 99% of your mental capacity is dedicated to this thing that's keeping your family operating. And then you come home and you fail to communicate mm -hmm. that you want to take a shower right now. And then they're like, you can't just adjust. Like you can't, you can't just learn to talk the way you're supposed to. And it's like, I am learning the way I'm supposed to. I'm learning how to keep our family operating. I'm learning how to keep a roof over your head and I'm coming home and this, you know, that everything takes a sideline. They would tell us like, your life is not what it used to be anymore. Your life belongs to the nuclear program and everything else is to the side and you better yeah. learn that or you're gone. Secondary. Yeah. And it, that is, if there's anybody out there going through this or hoping to go through this, you need to deeply consider that because it, very nearly ended my marriage a couple times. And then I know people whose lives it ended. I watched, uh, well, we won't get into that, but I, they, they have a very high suicide rate there. Um, and I don't think that's the schoolhouse's fault. Um, it's just a very hard place to exist. It's not the Navy's fault anyway. Um, it's just, they expect a lot from you and there's a high cost that comes with that. And being able to deal with that and be responsible for somebody else in some way is extremely difficult people make it people love it but yeah. it's extremely difficult i think it's the mental fortitude of <clears throat> any person really i mean i would just say that it's you know person by person based but you could also just say it's military in general you know um it's not it's not simple you know uh we talked about this the other night was adaptability um it's probably the number one trait that you need to have besides like mental toughness because yeah it is rewarding but like you will you will adapt and you will become mentally tough in order to get those rewards um and if you don't you know it's just that's okay that's not going to happen it's not for everybody um but yeah definitely the people that you want least to get the shit into the stick definitely get it and it's i mean after talking about this it to me it just sounds like it'd be like where's the where's the class for like, where's the class for spouses to get this information? You know, it's like, there should be like a, there should be like some type of information. Like, hey, you should know this because he won't be able to communicate it. Like, yeah, that's the thing is there is, there is classes for spouses, but it's so muddled by all the military stuff. And it, it's offered by the military, you know, like they offer classes on how to adapt as a spouse. And like, there's groups of other spouses that'll, you know, foster you as well and stuff like that. But it's, that's not the mission of the military. 
you know, like they tell you straight up, like you are here so that your family doesn't have to be. Well, you are a part of the military because you're doing something so that other people don't have to. Yeah, that's that's the sacrifice that you give. When people say thank you for your sacrifice or whatever, that's what they're talking about. And it takes a long time yeah. to realize that. But it took me a long time to realize that you are you are not on the same track that everyone else is. You do not have the same privileges or the same rights that everyone else has. And that's for that's by design. So they're not focused on you know how things are going at home. Sadly, they're focused on the mission and making sure that those people at home have a home to go home to. And we sign up for it, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, any leadership will tell you, Godship family. Yeah, that's the order. I mean, yeah. it's right, I mean, it's right there. <laughs> family comes last in that list. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it comes down on the service member really to adapt and be able to put military first and come home and change that mind mindset after an eight hour 12 hour day of ship comes first and then you come home and now you have to put family first and but in the back of your mind you know that come six o'clock tomorrow morning it's not that way anymore yeah not even a little bit i mean how many times throughout the day do you forget that you even have a life like i've I, caught myself so many times and it's not even that uh i had to catch it it was just i was like observing it and i normally don't you know you go through the day and you completely forget that there's a peer there you know like this is <laughs> you get on yeah. the ship and you're just this is life and then you know somebody at some point in the day you like walk through this foggy threshold and you're like oh there's a world out there i guess i'm gonna go home now and then you go <laughs> back to it it's odd that is, I remember even after like, even after a, a week, a week underway, it takes days to come back to like homeostasis kind of feeling, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I got better at kind of um, just saying that it's just not hard to accept all the time, but um, I want to touch on the, um, I want to touch on the investing in yourself portion that I talked about a few days ago. Um so when this, like, when I, when I thought about this, well, I guess actually it came from putting myself into treatment and then realizing that I was, um, I was slowly losing interest in the things that I've always done. I mean, just small things, you know? Yeah. I was still forcing myself to go to the gym, but like, I used to like, you know, golfing, mountain bike, hiking, like there was more than just one activity. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I got back into those things. I went with my buddy, um, shout out James, if you're going to listen to this, I'm sure he will. Um, but we went golfing and, um, good time. And it was a, it was a Saturday, I believe. And we golfed from like nine to one, made it 18 in like four hours. It was pretty quick. Um, so we're talking a Saturday morning, nine to one, we got done chit chatting, packing up. And I was like, Hey man, let's try to do this like every weekend, you know? And this course was like 20 bucks. It was actually super cheap, decent course for 20 bucks. And it was fun. It was relaxing. You know, basically for me mentally, it was like very much getting back into feeling like I'm putting some time and some, some therapy and some, or not there, but like therapeutic activities into myself again. You know, um, I'd been like hiking the next day, golfing again. I'm like, this is, 
this is what I need. I feel level again, you know, doing more stuff for myself. And um, this is, you know, my point is, is when I asked, you know, like, let's do this every weekend. Um, he said what everybody who, you know, everyone I know, including myself would say, and it's not that it was a $24 course, had nothing to do with it, but it was, you know, I need to spend time with my family. And believe me, I think family is everything. But after being through what I'm going through, um, the tools, the everything I'm just trying to learn to become better and better and better is that one, you know, the old cliche, I think I talked about calling with this, but or talked with Colin about this. But the old cliche about, you know, love yourself first where you can love others. I don't like how that sounds. So we were talking about it. And to me personally, I just, I am now telling, you know, I'm, I'm saying invest in yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, because love yourself just, it comes off the tongue wrong a little for me. I don't, I don't really know how to explain why it just, I mean, I get it. I think we all love ourselves naturally, whatever. But investing in yourself has a different definition in my mind. Um, it's purposely, you know, it's purposely doing things that, you know, will make you feel a certain way, will change your mentality or physical side, anything. So, well, when he said that, it, it like, it gave me this epiphany because I, like I said, I would have said the same shit. You guys would say the same thing. Um, but you know, we're talking Saturday morning from nine to one, right? That's four hours. Okay. Yeah. So Monday through Friday, you go right home after work. A typical person would go right home after work because you want to get home to the family. Like they deserve that. You just worked all day. That's the same reason why I used to go to the gym in the afternoon. Like Colin knows this. I used to go in the afternoon and I stopped once I had my son because he deserved me to be there after work. So I used to go to the gym at 4.30 in the morning. Like that was a sacrifice that I made. So different subject, but I love when people tell me they don't have time. Like whatever. <laughs> like I used to be at the gym at 5 a.m., and have a good long workout, be at work by seven, 7.30, get off work at four or five, whatever it was, go home. I was with the family. Responsible time management, whatever. So let's just say you're with your family every afternoon, Monday through Friday. Saturday, let's say you did something for yourself in the morning and you're back home by 12, one, two, you have all night Saturday, you have all day Sunday. Are you really, is anyone trying to argue the fact that you can't find the time to invest in yourself because if you can't you're going to spin off the rails and you're going to not communicate because you're going to shut down because you have no positive endorphins flowing through your body you have fucked up hormones because you're not doing the right things for your body um or your mind you're like fuck your body i'm just you know it's your mind for me that's like the main topic i want to get across is your mental emotional spiritual state need to come first yeah you have a family but guess what you're still just you. Yeah. You, you know, won't. like you don't. Yeah. Yeah. They anything. won't have someone around, you know, not like you're going to die, but even like mentally or emotionally, you're not going to be present if you're just ran down ragged and you don't do anything for yourself. No, not so, just that. You won't be there mentally and then they're not going to like you anymore. And then they won't be there at all. Yeah. And they wonder why that's what <laughs> bugs me too. Is like, you wonder why. And not that anybody forces anyone to do anything. I think it's just like a, another stigma that, that's just where all your time needs to go. And for me is I decided a long time ago that like, I'm not going to make them feel like I'm trying to get away on a weekend or whatever. I'm going to get up at 4 AM yeah. to go get my two hours of solace 
and get my energy out and feel good and kind of have my meditation. Like that's why I got up early. I'm not going to make them feel like I'm trying to get away when I could just get up earlier and go do something yeah. um, and be back before they're even awake. Um, and then vice versa was like, you know, for my wife at the time when we were down there too, like I would, there was nights where I would come home feeling like, okay, I do my workout thing in the morning. There were several times that I would come home and be like, get the fuck out, you know, <laughs> like in a positive way. Yeah. And I'd be like, it's been a week or two. I don't know what you're doing. I don't care where you go. Just get the fuck out. Like, I got this. It's not that hard. Yeah. You know, don't let them die. I got it. Whatever. <laughs> and like, yeah. For those that don't know, Joe is actually a really good dad. So don't let him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So like, you, you know, I, I would do that sometimes. And that's a, that's a really, uh, I mean, I would preach that to anybody. Would be. A lot of people think that way. So if you think that way, I would really make sure to have your significant other start to think that way too. Um, if they don't have their time, you need to, if you're the one that realizes that everyone needs their time to be the better version of themselves, even if it means going and getting their damn nails done, you know, getting a manicure, pedicure, they get a little massage when they're in there, you know, they talk some shit with their friends. That's what they need. Um, uh, that's a really, really important thing for me is investing in yourself. Like stop feeling like you, like stop feeling like you owe time to anybody. Yes. Yeah. Time is, time is the one thing I don't fuck with, with people. Like that's another reason why I don't like people or like, let's say that conversation piece we we're talking about earlier, like Jesus Christ, this is not worth my time. <laughs> like I'm never going to get this time back. I'm not even saying that I'd be doing anything important. I'd literally rather be doing nothing, <laughs> you know, than, than you making me dumber. Yeah. Like, but yeah, so I think that's a big thing that, um, you know, you want to say love yourself first, cool, namaste, whatever the fuck. But <laughs> I would just say, look for those things, invest in yourself and do it more often because you're going to feel a lot better. Um, like golfing on a weekly basis right now for me is just so therapeutic, getting out there and breathing some nature. And yeah, I don't walk. I'm still lazy. I get a cart, but. Well, there's just um, something I was in that <laughs> club. Like you're alone. Oh like, yeah, yeah. My grandpa told me something when I was like getting into golf. So I used to golf in high school, and uh, I mean, I still golf, but I haven't been in a while. But it was—he said it's the only one of the only sports where so many of the other sports it's you versus like another team, or it's you versus you know one other person or something like that. Golf is you against the course. It's you against you. How how well you play completely depends on you. So like you get out there, and if you suck, you have no one responsible for that except you you know like even swim swim was a big part of my life but you it is you against the pool in a way but it is also you against everyone else you're racing someone else and you don't have to play golf competitively against anyone else you can you know you can shoot for the lowest score on the course or whatever and you can swim for the fastest time in a pool i guess but there's just something about going out on a, on the golf course and you know it is intensely physical or it can be because i used to i used to walk the tournaments you weren't allowed to ride so we would walk 18 and we would start at like five in the morning in florida in the summertime and you would do this every single weekend for the entire summer and you carry you know 50 60 pounds worth of golf clubs and golf balls in a bag while it's raining and it's 105 degrees outside you tell me that's not physical <laughs> and you're swinging a golf club 100 miles an hour you know a hundred yeah. times throughout the day and you walk four or five miles that shit's rough but it, it's like you have to maintain physical integrity and mental perfect, like 
perfection focus yeah to even be because it's like you know if you were to if you're shooting competitive with shooting if you're a millimeter off at the gun your projectile could land you know 10 feet away so like if you fuck up really early on in a game of golf it could completely sever any chance you have of reaching the goal that you wanted or the score that you wanted at the end of the game so if you're not perfect all the time then you just fuck away your chances of of being anything well it doesn't it's it's Sorry, bro. Go ahead. No, it doesn't even have to be anything competitive or yeah. a sport or anything. I mean, it could be a hike. It could be a walk in the mall. It could be go watch a movie, something that you love to do. Yeah. And I mean, the point is to self-invest. And whenever you do that, I think anybody that self-invests is going to be surprised of how much you can, how much more you can give emotionally, mentally, whatever the case may be to your significant other or to the people around you. Just mm-hmm. by that little bit that the four hours on a Saturday, two hours on a Saturday or Friday, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what day it is, but to self-invest and do something that you enjoy and you can relax and it's not competing against somebody, just something for fun yeah. and to self-invest. And one of the things is, uh, I actually wrote down about this is, um, it's like on an airplane. When, a, when an airplane's going down, they tell you to put your mask on first. So that way you survive and you can help others. Or you p- put your mask on and you can help your kid or kids. I mean, it's it's really yeah. self-invest is the most important thing. Yeah, perfect, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's the exact same thing. Perfect example. Because if, if you can't help yourself, if you're not effective then you can't be effective for anyone else at all. You're, you're completely eliminated from the equation. You know, so if, I feel like we've been gifted a great amount of uh, not only positive influence, but strength, mental and physical, from the military that, uh, I mean, we're in the Navy, so it, a lot of people don't think that way, but it is extremely physical and extremely mentally taxing. But uh, you can be that monolith in your family's life that, that constant person of strength, which is taxing in and of itself, but you can offer a lot of assistance, like that person going down on the plane, you know, like you had the mental fortitude to get your mask on. And then once you're okay, you can help other people. You have the physical capability to give extra to other people. So you can make sure your kids got a mask on, your wife's got a mask on, if they're holding on, if their seatbelts are tight, you know, exactly. once you're good, you can make sure that that's a tight ship on the way down, ready for any catastrophe, you know. Yeah, one thing I think is um, funny about, well, relating to like the one-on-one thing, I think that's why I fell in love with the, the gym too. Uh, it's very one-on-one. Um, it's very emotional, mental, one-on-one. It's all it is. And then, uh, you know, you're doing jujitsu. Like, yes, of course you, yes, of course you're rolling with somebody. But I, I still feel, I mean, jujitsu is still technically a solo sport, technically, because you're just one-on-one. That's still a solo sport. Um, there's a reason why I fell in love with baseball. Like baseball is my first love. And what's interesting about baseball is half the inning you're on a team, half the inning, it's a solo sport, mm-hmm. which is, that's the only sport like that. Yeah. Um, it's super interesting to me. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I got into the gym for like initially, initially I, I played sports my whole life growing up and then when i realized you know i wasn't going pro like 99 percent of people um <laughs> when i was in the gym i was like okay this is 
this is still fun. I feel great. You know, you get some cool results. And then it slowly turned into my, it slowly turned into my, you know, activity I did for catharsis. And now it is my biggest form of therapy um, because of what we talked about earlier. But I, I think it's funny because like if people, I was, I was thinking about this last couple of days, like if people ask, well, if you only do it for therapy, why do you, you know, why do you buy supplements? Why do you care about, you know, the, the actual image? Why do you care about the results? And I've been thinking about this because like I could, I would ask myself that if I was like, if I was like, if I was like swearing that I was only in the gym, you know, for non vain reasons yeah. and it was purely because it's my channel, you know, for, for peace. And I was like, think about this myself. Like if I had this argument, you know, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I was, I was thinking like, well, for me, if your escape is, if your escape is reading a book, I'm sorry, but you shouldn't just be reading science fiction, stupid. You know, if your, if your escape is to read books, you should read something worth knowing. You should read some history. You should read some epic novels. You should read something nonfiction, you know, um, learn something if, if your escape is reading. If your escape is golf and you're just doing it for therapy, motherfucker, buy some good golf clubs. It's going to feel good when you hit it farther and straighter. Yeah. You know, um, and I have, and I was just thinking about these, this argument to myself was like, you know, why do you care so much? Like, well, results again, it's like your Jeep results feel good because it's the one thing in my life. I feel like I can, I'm controlling. Yeah. So if I can implement certain things, yeah, I buy supplements. Yeah. I eat good. Yeah. And like, it's cool to see results. Cause I'm like, Oh, there's one thing in my life I could control. And it's my, <laughs> my biceps. <laughs> you know, like, and well, yeah, that might sound stupid to a lot of people that, you know, aren't into that, but like, yo, be into your thing. And I would support you investing in your thing because it's going to only make it better and better and better. Yeah. And like one thing I actually, I thought about it a while ago. was like, what, because Pierce, when I first called you probably a couple months ago, um, when we like first chatted again, Dude, like I got off the phone with you. I thought it was so funny because you had never told me until this phone conversation. But I'm on the phone with him and he's like, dude, I couldn't fucking stand when you used to talk about the gym 24-7. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, yo, I never even knew. Like, you're a you're, good you know. friend. And uh, he like never even told me. And I, I was like, I remember like being in the shower even recently, just being like, man, I never wanted to fucking be that guy. But I was that guy. Fuck. And uh, well, I think it's fucked up that that you would think that because, uh, I it's not that it's not that I hate the gym. Like I, I did weightlifting for a long time, and I, like I played every sport except for like track and cross country. But um, it's just not my thing, you know. Like I've, yeah. I've been there, I've done that, and I can stay strong doing the things that I do because you know working yeah. on your Jeep is not some fat dude drinking beer turning, you know, tiny little screws. <laughs> Well, one of my one of my grinders <laughs> like grinding that thing all day will beat the fuck out of you but yeah i wasn't saying you hated it I, my point was that i appreciated my point was that my my, my long point because again i was deflecting with comedy <laughs> but like yeah i got problems so but my point my point was that i appreciated that you just sat there and fucking took it for me all the time you're like oh cool bro nobody asked you but sick and like i appreciate that because you know, I, I could listen to people talk about shit that isn't my thing either, but when they're passionate, you're going to sit there and listen, you know, if you give a shit about the person, if you don't, like we talked about earlier, you're going to be like, I'm going to. Yeah. Well, I mean, like left. 
Dude, but, you know how many how many times did we sit in the shop and I'd go rambling about some stupid complexity, then you guys would just be sitting across the shop like, why the fuck do you know this? That's exactly <laughs> I dude, I have these conversations in my head, like you talking about you know the gym stuff and then i'd be like well why do i gotta know about fucking galvanizing metal bro like no one asked you yeah. Yeah. nobody asked you about galvanizing metal and why they're stuck together just get it unstuck yeah <laughs> the, the thing was you know like if my because i'm i'm not even choosy i would say it's subconscious when i meet somebody my brain just knows like don't fucking talk to him because then they're gonna be around forever if i, <laughs> if I hadn't liked you, you stage know, like, five virgin clinger <laughs> yeah. if i hadn't saw something that was like I could do like I could be around this person. This person is this is my my type of people. Then I would have just blown you off. I would have been you know I would have told you I'd have blown smoke up your ass and then I just walked away and never talked to you again. But I was my brain was like I can handle this this person. You know this is really this really matters to him and it's important. And this motherfucker sits across the shop from me all the time and hears me talk about stupid stuff. And it's just like why do you know that? That's cool. And then you don't not talk about it next time it's yeah you know it's it's you're allowed to be that way you know it's not a it's not a hindrance to anybody else it's cool that you have a passion it's just not my passion you know i don't understand it but that doesn't mean it's invalid yeah mm -hmm. see the difference the difference with ours is i thought yours was cool because i am genuinely <laughs> interested in knowing crazy shit like the half the stuff you would say i'd be like dude my favorite thing that was just like every time pierce opens his mouth i'm just like follow the bouncing ball dude just <laughs> totally bro totally I, i'm like in the other room looking shit up after he says it what the fuck was that all about um oh man i was gonna say it was not fun i got another one that's even grosser have i told you about oh never mind i can't even say that i can't say that never mind i think i know exactly where you're going yeah i think you told me that story but um yeah, I don't know. I uh, I think people overestimate how important everything is. And I think that's a big, big root of most people's problems is that, you know, we're like literally, it's said a lot, but we are literally a ball of rock floating through the universe. Endlessly. Oh, I love this topic. And <laughs> yeah, and I think that, you know, needing to call you know, the category of words that you use a certain subsect of words. Like, you know, people like to categorize conversation as, you know, that's politically incorrect or whatever. Like, who the fuck cares? Why do you feel the need to attribute a name to, to something like that? It was said, it's going to be said again, and it'll be said a thousand times after you're buried in the ground and completely dissolved. <laughs> Whether you believe there's an afterlife or not, it will continue to happen. So why do you care about yeah. what it said? It's words. It's communication. It's people getting a point across. Yeah, it can be ugly at times, and it can be completely inaccurate, and it can be gross. But it's just somebody communicating. And I think that if you value that, like I, I think it should be valuable and valueless at the same time. Like you have to be able to dissect the way people are saying things and really have the maturity to just be like, okay, he didn't actually mean, you know, some whatever, insert whatever terrible things people say on a daily basis, just out of the blue. But I think like the thing that pisses me off the most is like constantly needing to name every weird thing about yourself instead of just being like, oh yeah, I have this weird thing that I do. Uh, I like to fucking be really vulgar in public. 
instead of just <laughs> living with that fact, you're like, oh, I'm a sociopath. Like, yeah. no, you're not. You're just fucking weird. Mm. <laughs> so it's everybody else. Uh, is this true? Definitely a little bit sociopathic. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, you know what? Oh, that, that actually brings me to a good... Um, well, I guess maybe just for me a good segment because I'm probably the only one that wrote, wrote these down. But uh, yeah, I got like a good little, eh, it's not very long, list of pet peeves. I love that one. Let's, let's alienate everyone listening. <laughs> hey, I do that. <laughs> That's kind of the point. Oh, yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, okay, I'm just going to say one then. Okay. Like, this is definitely this is definitely from I'm gonna say this is from my mom for sure because she was just flip shit about everything. But people that drag their feet. Oh, oh. dude, oh, I'm telling going? you, like I, I just want to go up to them. Oh god, I just I don't even know like the things I would say if I could actually just say it. Like just how like I can tell. That you're an unsuccessful, unproductive person by the way you walk. <laughs> like you, oh, I can don't like, ever just, walk. God, and like people are like, oh, I'm wearing sandals. I'm like, it's not an excuse. I literally make no noise when I make like when I wear sandals. It's not Dude, an excuse. Do you ever self-consciously walk or like chew your food? Oh yeah, like yeah, when that's you're OCD. Eating, there's no one around you, but there's like some guy like four aisles over in Walmart. And you're like, I hope he doesn't hear me dragging my feet. <laughs> I count steps between cracks. He's going to think I'm a fucking weirdo. My sandals are so loud right now. <laughs> or like you open a bag of chips in your own house and you're like trying to be quiet. And you're like, this would be disturbing to anybody around me. <laughs> <laughs> but like, dude, I, I read this in bro science. I'm sure of it, but it's, it's seems to be true, but apparently there's like a, an actual genetic disorder that a large population of people have. Again, it's probably bro science, but um, apparently a large portion of the population of the earth has a genetic disposition to get extremely violent or like have violent thoughts when they can hear other people chewing. Oh, yeah. No, actually, I have that. No, I 100%. I forgot the word. Um, yeah, I he wish. even Googled it. Uh, you can talk to my wife for, for years about this, but I wish ill on people on a daily basis. If I can hear them like with their mouth making noises, like even sitting here, like I have to clear my throat constantly to make sure there's not an absurd amount of like, ah, bro, like I will noises. get like, I will get, like, especially on like on the mess day, bro. I will get up and walk somewhere else. Like if someone sits down in front of me and I hear them, I'm seriously just like, <laughs> I do it to the Dude, point I, I'll get up and leave. Like I don't they're like, what? What? I'm like <laughs> I get I get to the extent where if I can hear myself breathe, I'll intentionally just stop breathing. Like I'll be like, guess I'm not breathing anymore. Sorry. Yeah. And then like I, I don't know what it is, but I I mean, fuck is that a strong urge? Yeah, I mean to, I don't I don't have that, but I am the loud eater and breather. <laughs> <laughs> I'll guarantee you I'm loud too like I'll be eating a bag of chips and I'll, I'll like sit there and I'll put a chip in my mouth and I'll intentionally like think about how I can make it more quiet for me to eat this chip so that it doesn't piss anyone off I'll be like yeah, yeah I have to be so self-aware 
when I'm hanging out with Joey. And <laughs> anything, just <gasps> like, what? Oh what God! Is it? <laughs> it's chips. I can't help it. Because yeah, you never know if he's gonna yoke you across the room or not. <laughs> well, with me and him, it's just two walls going at it. It's yeah. It's uneventful. <laughs> oh man. Um, okay, I got another one. Um, guess what I saw yesterday, people? Oh, fuck you. <laughs> you know what I did last night? Dude, you're never going to believe this. No, what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear it, but you're going to tell me anyway. That's literally my response to all of it. I don't know, but I'm sure you're going to tell me. Yeah, you're never gonna guess what I saw. Never going to. I don't want to. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah, I think I do that subconsciously because, like, I have a feeling that most people think what they do every day is more interesting than it really is. Like something like I'll be really excited about something I did to my Jeep that makes no sense to anyone else because it'll be like something weird. Like there's this little synchro in the transmission that does this, and I'm just be like, yeah, I lubricated that. Now it won't fall apart. And they're like, good. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. So I got a I got a good one. This'll this might you know what actually yeah, this'll this'll tie into uh, a generational conversation, I think. So about about three weeks ago, went to the gym. Actually, I had I, I finished my workout and I grabbed like an ISO pure protein. Um this podcast brought to you by ISO Pure. And so I went to go buy it and it's, <laughs> I went to go buy it and it's, uh, but seriously, if you want to hit me up and it's 5.50, I put it on the counter and uh, there's this guy working there. I hope he hears this one day. I don't like you. And I, dude, I had, okay, what I have, I had, I had $4 is that in my wallet. I had four ones and a 10, right? So this drink's 5.50 and he rings it up. He goes, and for fucking some reason, he said, dude, every time I buy anything, he says, that's it. This really pisses me off. Different subject. But everything you buy, he says, that's just this amount. Every single thing you buy, it could be a $35 hoodie. And he'll say, that's just $35. So I buy this drink for $5.50, right? Any drink should not be $5.50. And he goes, that's just $5.50. And I'm like, I fucking hate this guy. And so I'm looking at my wallet. I'm like, I got four singles and a 10. So I hand him $11. And he takes it. Dude, he takes it and he goes, I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, dude, I was like, yes, finally, I got this fucking idiot. There's so like, somebody right now like. Oh, I guarantee you it's a majority of people. Hey, fuck so, you, Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. So it's 5.50, right? I hand this dude 11. He gives me back the one. I'm like, no, dude, I want 5.50 back. And he goes, no, no, does, no, does not fucking figure it out. Like, he's like, wait, what? And I was like, I want it out of 11 so I can get $5 back. I got four ones. I don't want another one. I want a five in my wallet. And he like, dude, he fucking types it in. Like, he's just like, all right. And he, he, he types it $11 and it comes out five fifty back. And he legit says, didn't even know you could do that. 
was like, God damn it, you're stupid. Who the fuck uh, invented this shit? Whoever it was, they knew what the fuck they were doing. He was blown away, dude. Didn't even know you could do that. Like, what? What do you mean? Yo, it's like, I, so just didn't... I, I literally just witnessed this a day or two ago at the exchange. I was next in line. They had one cashier. And whatever the amount was, it came to, I, I don't know, but the lady did the same exact thing, gave a 10 and like two ones so that way she can get a five back. Yeah. And the cashier was just like, I don't need the ones. This covers it. The, the 10 covers it. <laughs> and then uh, the customer was just like, no, but I don't want ones back. And then the cashier was just like, I don't know what to do here. <laughs> and the oh my god, the, the customer had way too much patience. And she literally set the money down on the counter and Barney styled counted it. She's like, All right, if the total is this amount, <laughs> I get it. And I give you a 10 <laughs> plus two ones, then you'll give me a five dollar bill back. <laughs> ouch and she's just like i don't even know how to do this and then a manager had to come and type it in yeah but i mean this lady's not building the world trade center she's like working at the next (laughs) gotta have realistic expectations of things but you're like like, i'm gonna call my husband the chief and he's gonna figure this out (laughs) (laughs) you ever like find yourself i don't know if anybody else does this i kind of feel alone about this but uh i will in line, and I know that there's going to be some sort of like odd social interactions going to happen, or like literally anywhere. I'll be like standing in line or, or anything, but I will like foresee a complication and then have the conversation I'm going to have with this person in my head before I ever get there, and then like think about the least painful way to have this conversation, and then it'll ultimately come down to me explaining things before they ever happen, and I'm like. I'm like, all right, I'm going to hand you these $12. You're going to type in $12, and then you're going to give me my five fifty back. I want a five and two quarters, and you're going to do that. And they're like, oh. <laughs> Instead of being like, here you go, figure it out. Like, I have no yeah. faith in humanity, so I'm just like, okay, I'm going to do this for you before it ever happens, and then there's no problem. I can leave, and I don't have to talk. Yeah. Which so, is probably makes me a douchebag, but, you know, whatever. No, I, th- I, think, I think there's a um... – I think you're coming at it the most rational way you possibly can, which is unfortunate to say the least, <clears throat> but <laughs> very unfortunate. But um, so it was, it, this ties me into like a subject that I like a lot, especially doing this job right now. Good Lord. Have I just been, oh, God, just uh, this generation. Okay. The next, I, I don't even like talking about generation because we are clumped in with one that we are just too far apart with. But when it comes to uh, not just common sense, but I would just say like basics, like let's say education wise, basics. I'm not even downplaying. I'm talking legit, okay? Like adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing, percentages, fractions, decimals, types, basics, right? You lost me. So, like <laughs> it, this is one area that I am worried about with uh, what's happening. And what blows my mind is, a lot of my leadership, a lot of our leadership right now, I think it's like a trend going across military that they're just telling each other and they think it's true. 
everyone is like, you guys got to cater to this new generation because they're more, they're way more intelligent than we are. <laughs> and dude, like everyone believes this. And I'm sitting there like, you, you do this job too. How do you have the audacity to say that these kids are smarter? Okay. Do I agree that they have more access to be as intelligent as they possibly want to be? Yeah. That does not make you smart. Like having the access to this stuff does not make you smart. And I have proof because these kids right now don't know their times tables. They don't know how fractions work. They don't know how percentages and decimals work. You're like, oh, I'm in AP chemistry. I'm in AP phys like physics or whatever. But you can't pass the basic test to get in the Navy or the military, let's say. So that goes to show that you don't know basic math without your cell phone. And like they'll even say, like on the basic, I mean, you guys took the basic test. Yeah. Can I have my phone? For what? Like, for, for real, for what? And we used to be on the call or like every time we'd make an appointment, this is what's funny is we got this advice uh, from one of our leadership and he's a great dude. And he came and he told me this. And I was like, that's hilarious, but I'm a hundred percent behind that logic. And we'd make our phone calls to these people to come in for interviews and we'd be like, okay, yeah, you seem to be, you seem to be qualified on all the basic stuff, you know, medical you know, uh, moral, lawful, all that stuff, right? Um, one last thing. Um, could you just tell me what half of one-eighth is? <laughs> and like, dude, legit, we had to do this over the phone because if they got it correct, we could almost guarantee that they were going to score at least a 50 or higher. And if they didn't get it correct, they might not qualify. And like, it's, it'd be like, what's um, half of one-eighth? Uh, one quarter, duh. And we'd be like, hang up the phone. <laughs> you know what? Uh, it basically would turn into like, yeah, come on in. This person might be uh, a lower. Um, if they're like, yeah, one sixteenth. Why? Oh, uh, just just wondering. We're like, yeah, we got a good one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's really bad. Um, and I just I see it just in more cases than just this job. But like, I I am worried that like the fundamentals of things are just going out the window. And then like, can you, can anybody, I mean, we have kids too. This is what scares me is we all have kids. Can any of you describe how common core works? Me? Anybody. Yeah. Like if that's the way that it's expected that you're going to have to show your kid how to do math, I'm not going to use that. I'm going to show them how to do math. That makes logical sense. Well, but like common core is it's, I mean, it's constantly changing. It's, it's constantly trying to fit into, you know, it's like the square peg in the round hole and they're trying to make it, you know, have 12 sides instead of just making it round. They're like, well, if we change it enough, then it'll be close to what it needs to be so that everyone can understand it instead of just being like, let's standardize this and then make everyone understand the standard and then never change it so that it's always the same for everyone. I just don't know how you can take something so logical to begin with. <laughs> And I mean, I don't even know what to compare it to. Like, what else would you compare something so inexplicably logical that you could possibly, for no reason, just make more difficult? Math. I mean, it's like, like two. No, no. I'm talking. About, I'm talking about. I'm talking about math. Yeah. So it's like two plus two is four. Take these two objects and those two objects and count them together. 
And it's like, no, not anymore, folks. Like, like you want to talk about the depths of, of Common Core making things infinitely more difficult? Go to Nuke School because there's like a they have they have like Nuke Math that, and I'm probably speaking out of turn because you know it's been a long time since I've been there and I didn't make it, you know, but I did see it. Um, but just some of the ways they do things, you get out and you talk to people who do it on the civilian side, and they're just like, what? Like, that's not even a thing, but they like standardize it to a common core level to make it uniform for their program, but still weird, like oddly complex. Like I was used to doing algebra in a certain way. Cause like I got up to like higher level math because I went to college before I joined the Navy. Um, I just didn't finish my degree, but like I was, I was fresh out of college, um, like from accounting, you know, trig calculus, I was always in advanced physics and stuff like that. Um, then you go to nuke school and they just do stuff a different way. And if you don't get it right, if you don't do it their way and then get the answer their way mm -hmm. and show the work perfectly their way, they dock you points. And then if they dock you points, your entire life changes. But I mean, the nth degree, the furthest possible degree that you could take it to would be nuke school. And I wish, I yeah. wish everyone got to see that so they could be like, holy shit, we got to change this because common core will be the death of logic i believe like you're exactly you're 100 right why would you take something i mean you know that we didn't we didn't create math math was is a quote and i don't remember who said it so it probably sound like a jackass but um one of the guys like the keplers and the um the newtons of the era eras said that we, he's finding himself to not be creating formulas but to be discovering them like he's uncovering the footprints of someone who's already stood here like it was laid mm. out you know like math reveals itself to us we're not creating it so they're describing mm. the universe around us with these equations that we're already there they're just discovering them so trying to be reductionistic about it or even you know expanding on them to try to make something new is nonsensical like something makes sense more easily when it's as reduced as possible it's there's a, the least amount of variables and they're just like speaking that's why i think it's so effective to speak the way we do in the navy or in the military in general because you're saying as few words as necessary to get the same point across you're just changing your tone instead of adding 35 extra words in there you're just saying what needs to be said and it's understood and it's completed yeah. i think it's the same the same thing for anyone doesn't know nuke school is nuclear engineering school so Talk about running a nuclear power plant, all the chemistry and the math and the sciences behind it. And it is the most difficult school of any branch of military by far. And I believe made for MIT. Yeah, it's a or by MIT, by MIT or for MIT. So um, and again, I'm going to speak out of my ass here. This is from what I remember. Right. So don't don't take what I'm saying as like gospel truth. Just, you know, use it as a reference. Don't and definitely don't quote me on it. But um the program is built if it's think of it this way right so it's a nuclear propulsion program you're you're talking about nuclear reactors and the way they work and the way they operate and there's only so much you can talk about but uh it, the program was created from one of the the ivy league school educations right so i won't say definitely one. mit i think it, yeah i think you're right right i don't want to say what i think because i could i'll probably be wrong but it's basically like an eight-year or an extended education condensed down into effectively eight months, right? My A school was three months. Then there's a two-month intermediary period at the most. 
which they call T-Track. And then power school is six months. And then, you know, the follow on training after that, they call a prototype is like six months or, you know, anywhere longer than that. I have friends that are still there or were still there just recently, which is insane. Um, but think about what the amount of information you would get in eight years in a nuclear physics or nuclear science degree, nuclear engineering in mm-hmm. eight months. And it's just every day, seven days a week, if you're unlucky like I was, right? You're studying every day, seven days a week as a job to learn that stuff. And it's just ridiculously complex information on a crazy level being fed in a really, really intense environment and stuff like that. So it's not the easiest environment to learn. And it's also tailored to be that way. But uh, yeah, it's just a very, very crazy place. It sounds like it. Um, So yeah, we've been going for, been going for a good little bit. Um, So again, uh, this is basically the pilot for Headcase Podcast, and we're gonna be a lot better than all those other ones that we saw. so yeah, so a lot of stuff to come. We're gonna try to do this a couple times a week. We're gonna be real consistent with it. Um, we're hoping to reach a ton of people eventually. And uh, you know, we talked. I remember like Pierce saying the other day that uh, you know contingency plans and having black backups and Plan Bs, and that's a smart way to live. And I'll just kind of almost end with: it took me thirty years, not thirty years, but let's just say let's just say several years to get past the fear of doing something I really wanted to do. And I think that the contingency plan doesn't, um, doesn't apply here. Cause if it was my choice, this would be plan a for me, um, a long time ago and not necessarily just podcasting, but I'm talking about having a business, building a brand, making a community, helping people doing what the fuck I want to do. Um, that's not to say what I, what I do, I don't love because I do. Um, but I, you know, I do want more, need more. I think this would, um, I think fulfillment <clears throat> is a big thing that got me, you know, got us to really kind of step out of our comfort zone, but this would be plan A for me to be honest. And this is what I want to do. So <clears throat> yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, more to come. Like I said, we still got a lot of work to do. There's, you know, a website to be built. There is merchandise to be made. Um, you know, there's other videos that we're going to put out that have more to do with what we enjoy specifically um, and talk about, you know, in depth why we do those things and how we differ from other people to do them. You know, I mean, I'm, I do, you know, I am going to, we are going to make, you know, like Colin and I are going to make fitness <clears throat> vlogs and kind of intertwine the animus logo the head case logo the straight jacket the red you know the red flag stuff and we're going to kind of intertwine those things with fitness pierce i hope wants to do um you know things with rebuilding building jeeps or anything that he decides to put back you know put together or create and talk about why he does those things um and again one big thing that i didn't even mention yet was um we want to flip 
we want to flip the idea of body imagery being or like physical health coming before mental, emotional, spiritual health. I want to flip that literally <clears throat> on its head, you know, like kind of pun intended, because I want to, I want to flip that on its head because it does not make sense. And I think it's a toxic message sent to people, people who have actual real issues. When they see people online, these influencers, these people who make it so big by posing and saying, look like me and you'll fucking feel better. I hate seeing that and by personal experience and i think what we kind of are coming together to believe is that if you flip that complete opposite and you get your damn mind right and your your life right your mind right your emotions right your body and physical health have no choice but to follow yeah your your body does not come before your mind and you can't if you are depressed if you're anxious if you're struggling you can't just get in shape. I don't care what you fucking eat. Um, but if you do the opposite, your body literally has no choice but to follow your healthy mind. Um, so I want to flip that on its head. And that's why we're talking about the things we're talking about. Um, the resources, the experience, like what we do to channel those things. You know, the body, I, I, I keep saying like physicality side, that's a, that's a perk. But for most people, I'm just talking about gym again. This is just me, but we can talk about hikes. We can talk about whatever, CrossFit, I don't give a shit. But for most people, when they go in there, they're looking for likes. They're looking for looks from other people. Um, but for me, it's the perk. It's not the main goal. I'm like, yeah, results, feel good, look good. But that's just the perk of the mental side being on the up and up. You know, whereas for other people, it's like if they're not physically on the up and up, their mental's fucked. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's like that's the complete opposite thing that you want. But it's it's why social media is striving right now. And if you look up anything about social media from the time it was, you know, from the time they conceived social media, the people who actually created these things, the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the Twitters, they straight up say that they know that they knew at the time of creating it, that it would be harmful to people's uh, mental states, that it would mess with your hormones, with your endorphins, with your, the chemicals released in your body. They knew before they created it, that it would mess with these people and that it would make you depressed, that it would make you feel lesser than that. You would, you know, you'd have all this, these things, um, they know it, but people just like refuse to accept it. So, yeah. So I would say, you know, I'll end with just, I'm going to talk about that a lot. I mean, hopefully we talk about it a lot, but get your damn mind right, your emotions right. The, like the, it's just science. The body has no choice but to follow, period. You know, um, so switch that up. Um, so yeah, Colin, if you could tell people all that stuff we were talking about earlier with like finding it. Yeah, you can find us on YouTube at Headcase and also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Breaker, CastBox, and other small apps. Thanks for listening, guys.